Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dadcast. You know, we keep planning on trying to do things in a schedule type thing, but life just gets in the way. It's as if it's as if life sort of sets its own rules and schedules simply slow it down. I'm pretty sure sometime in March of this year, schedules were sort of named a thing of the past and just time kind of went all it's like a roller coaster, you know, you never really know and you're going up the hill and suddenly you make a curve and everything changes and you kind of scream and just hold on and hope that everything turns out all right. And that's kind of, I think, 2020 in a nutshell so far. Yeah, I, I, was, I saw an editorial cartoon which like had a calendar. It was like January, February, March. It didn't actually get to the H and then suddenly it's August. <laughs> and there's this big sort of like you know, mess in between. I, I was talking to a, a coworker of mine, how summer has officially arrived here on the West coast. We, we just went through our, our first uh, heat wave, which I know for some of our listeners might be like, Oh man, that's like December for us. But for us, temperate, you know, weather folk, a special weather statement that says it's going to get into the you know mid thirties is, is pretty tough. We're at the end of July and that's our first special weather statement. I, I have to say I've kind of enjoyed the fact that we had like January, July, Mayuary. But now it's like July and August. How you doing? Yeah, and that's sort of the thing as well. I mean, I've kind of lost track of days and my kids will ask me in the morning, you know, what day is it? And so I've been making up days name because really what's Tuesday or Wednesday? I mean, I think today was Blarg Blarg Day. Yeah, and Blarg Blarg Day is followed. I wasn't actually sure if it was Blarg Blarg Day or Blarg 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 Day. It was one of the two, and I got confused. But because time's kind of weird, who really knows? That's so, cool. yeah, it's really, you know, those days aren't even on the calendar. So we, I think we need a new calendar once we come out of all this, whenever the world finds its new normal. Yeah. But, like, how many Blargs are there? Is there, like, Blarg, 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 and Blarg, 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 and then Smarch? It does depend on your time zone, I think. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Good to yeah. know. Well, one thing that uh, has arrived with summer weather and the expanded freedom we have within the pandemic is the ability to go out to parks and playgrounds. So for us here in uh, in Vancouver and on the West Coast, uh, we've been fortunate as to how, you know, our you know, regional uh, or geographical area has been impacted by the pandemic. And one of the things that sort of helped along those lines was, was shutting down parks, shutting down playgrounds. It was surreal going by a park and seeing like yellow caution tape wrapping everything up and snow fencing and what have you. Well, that's all now come down. And so with the nice weather, the parks and playgrounds opening up, uh, Baby Forest has had the opportunity to get back onto a swing, which I don't know about your kids, but Baby Force essentially ranks the swing as the greatest invention ever. And that's like above the tablet that she occasionally gets to watch videos on. The swing is pretty amazing, and both of my kids do love the swings. And it's an interesting thing as well, because, I mean, I don't know about where Baby Force is on the, 
the realm of swing things, I guess. But, uh, you know, you put them on the swing originally and you push them and you push them mm-hmm. a limited amount very at first where they're holding on tight. And even, you know, in the baby swing as well, when they yeah. have it all around you and they graduate to the big kid swing. And that's like a, that's a big moment. And then, you know, you try to teach them to kick and the whole teaching them to kick and propel themselves. That is a very specialized skill that, I mean, seems very basic to an adult, but to a kid, it takes a long time to figure out. Mm-hmm. And that's another sort of rate of graduation when they finally hit that point where they're like, look, I can do it myself. It's like, yeah, that's, And then you realize you're obsolete and you can just give up and go home. <laughs> well, so baby, baby force is still in the, the baby swing. Uh, she doesn't, it's not that she doesn't like the, what she calls the big girl swing. I think it's the sort of lack of security that she might feel where, you know, she's holding on tight, but she hasn't realized that you sort of have to get your butt in that position. So it sort of also holds tight. Uh, she a little, you know, slides around a little bit. And I think for her, that's like, uh, I'm not, not as comfortable, but in the baby swing, as you're pushing higher, 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 I kid you not, we get her up to like pretty much halfway and she's like higher. Like she's going to be the kid that's going to be dragging me on the roller coasters and I'm going to hate it. When, when she gets older that was the way my daughter was like even at the earliest times she got to the playground at like you know being 18 months old and mm-hmm. she would find the highest slide there and she would <laughs> climb by herself to the very top of that slide and then she would go up to the top and they, they often have a bar where you sort of hold yourself and let yourself be on the slide yeah. she would take that bar and then just swing back and forth on it before she went <laughs> so she had a very fearless you know that was that was her in a nutshell when she was a toddler was you know she yeah. had no fears and my my son two years older would uh would not do that and he would be very cautious about it all mm-hmm. the uh the thing about uh baby force is that slides haven't been the issue i think i think she has her father's fear of heights ish uh so like the swing provides that level of security holding on to the chain she feels comfortable but when you're on sort of the slide maybe a little more you know, space to, to, to be a little more concerned. But, uh, speaking about kicking, um, a couple weeks ago, we actually had her on the swings and I was trying to explain to her like how to kick, throw your legs forward, pull your legs back, throw them forward. And she's like, she's doing it. She's, she's starting. So I'm like, daddy, will show you. So I get on the swing too, which first of all, I'm surprised that I didn't like cause the bars to bend. Cause we're not talking about like those heavy duty, like big kid swings. We're talking about like the, you know, transition from the baby swing to the baby without the seat swing type thing. And, uh, thankfully nothing occurred. Uh, daddy started swinging and, uh, I was showing her how to sort of kick my legs, kick forward, pull back. And once she sort of copied daddy as she is apt to do, um, her copying is reaching extraordinary levels. She has now started to also copy what mommy and daddy say, which is something we're really cognizant of. She starts to kick and it's like the amazing experience. She's like, Oh my God, this is awesome. Daddy stops. She's like, oh, no, man, if you're not going to do it, I'm, you're going to push me. <laughs> she stops kicking, too. So I don't know how we'll sort of reinforce. It's okay to continue to kick if daddy's not doing it for you. But I also had to stop because it was, I mean, it's been so long since I myself had been on a swing. The ticklish feeling that I was feeling was weird. <laughs> Like, yeah, it's it's interesting too. I mean, I kind of we kind of think of ourselves. You don't really concentrate on the whole aging thing until you have kids, and then you notice that they're growing bigger, and you're like, oh, that means I'm probably getting older. But yeah, like I just figured when I got on a swing, it would be no problem. But I was on a swing for like two minutes, and suddenly I was feeling like, oh, my stomach's kind of 
queasy. Mm. And so I was like, I got to get off this thing. And that kind of, you know, it's, it's the, it's another one of those parts of being an adult that just kind of yeah. sucks really. Yeah. And I mean, I love the swing growing up. I mean, I, I think we might've talked about it in previous episodes, the stupid stuff I used to do in a swing, like, Oh, that swings on the edge of the hill. Let's see how high I can get before I throw myself off to see how far I can fly. Again, the fact that I am, you know, into my forties is amazing considering the stuff I did as a, a child and a teenager and as the young adulthood. And the fact that I survived is, is a, a miracle unto itself. It was a different century. Yeah, it was. But uh, our, our discussion about the swings in the park actually has some basis for the topic of our episode. And it actually is related to a, a real-life situation that uh, Baby Forrest and my wife uh, experienced. I happened not to be there. But uh, my wife picked my, my daughter up uh, from uh, daycare and her and baby force went to a, a local park sort of, you know, it was nice weather. Uh, I believe I was doing something for work. And so it was like, well, we're, we're not going to get home and, and disrupt daddy. So let's go to the park and you know, they go. There's a, a few people around some kids and, and, and parents, what have you not like it would normally be obviously, but still kids were there. And uh, Baby Force is really independent. She likes just running around. Her imagination's phenomenal. Like, she can, you know, almost entertain herself. And, and that's what she was up to. And these uh, two young boys that my wife described as maybe being Baby Force's age, maybe a little bit older, but not by much, they're playing nearby too. And so uh, my daughter goes and, you know, does her own thing and eventually sort of ventures into their space, this uh, you know, sort of cement castle. It's like, we're talking like, you know, the old 70s, 60s um, style playground castle. Like the fact that it still exists is interesting because that type of stuff got pulled out for all the damage it, you know, could possibly inflict on on unsuspecting children at play. And uh, the boys didn't like the fact there was this, you know, young girl in, encroaching on their space. And and started saying some very mean things to her. Now, I don't exactly know what was said. My my wife didn't really pick up on them sort of talking to her. Um, we actually got that reported to us by baby force. But what my wife did see was them putting their hands on her and eventually pushing her down, physically pushing her down. Baby force, my daughter, she was quite upset, started crying, came running back to, to my wife and, uh, you know, said those mean boys pushed me. They were, they were saying mean things to me and she was really upset. Now my wife sort of described these kids as sort of being somewhat free range. Like if their parents or caregivers were there, which my wife seemed to think they were, they, there were these two women who were some distance away. And so my wife sort of explained not Everyone is, is nice. Sometimes people do mean things, um, comforted her, but decided, you know what, let's, let's leave the park. Baby force. She kind of wanted to leave too. Anyhow, this story gets told to me and I'm thinking like, okay, how would I have dealt with it? And I truly don't know. I think if I were to have been there, I'm not going to go and deal with necessarily someone else's children, but at the same time, I'm also going to be very protective of my daughter. And I think if I were to go and, and sort of walk this through in my mind, I'm probably going to use my voice as sort of the, the tools to intervene. And I've, I've done this sort of, as I've grown up, like I was a, I was an official in soccer in, in uh, baseball and softball. 
And I learned that my voice, when used, could uh, intimidate, interrupt, intervene. Like I, you know, low baritone can project if need be, and it can sometimes startle. And so I think that's probably what I would have done. I would have done something like, excuse me, gentlemen. I would have done it loud enough so that there was an effect. And I would have done it in a manner that would have attracted the attention of others. And I think my hope is, is that these parents or caregivers would see that their children were up to no good and deal with it. But then I wasn't there. So I'm curious, how might you have dealt with it? Or did you ever have a, a, an, a, in a circumstance that occurred with your kids where you had to sort of intervene because someone else's kids were, you know, kind of up to no good. It's a really interesting thing. And it depends on the situation entirely. I mean, I can think of one situation off the top of my head where I was off the side of the playground and my son was playing with another boy on the playground. And, and I was being very trusting because my son was very, he's, he was always been a very peaceful kid and there wasn't really much issue there. But out of the corner of my eye, I suddenly, and for no real reason at all, I saw the other kid just lean in and bite him on the cheek and Ow. would not let go. And I heard his scream. And I and I remember just feeling like, A, the whole, like everything rises inside you. And you're suddenly, you go from super calm to somebody's hurting my kid or another kid's hurting my kid. And you get fiery. So to keep the calmness there and get over. And so, but basically in that situation, the mother was there too. The mother came running and got her own son off of my son's face. And in that case, I was very, um, you know, I was pretty shaken up because I took it as sort of a failure on myself. I was mm. like, you know, I trusted this other kid across the playground and I shouldn't have, I should have been closer. That was sort of my initial feeling. Um, but in a situation like yours, I think, you know, I would, I would definitely use language. I would talk, I would say, I mean, when, we, when our kids were little, it was a whole lot of, I won't let you do that kind of language where I won't let you, you know, touch the burner. I won't let you hit another kid. I won't let you sort of demonstrating that you're looking for their safety. And so, I mean, in that situation, I would sort of get in between. Now I would, if there was kids were swinging, I would sort of put my hand into block. I would be very careful mm -hmm. though. I mean, as you say, with, with our, uh, with our deep voices and also we are large men. So, I mean, we can use that sort of as a reinforcing spot, but at the same time, if you're a large man and you're, and you, like grab a kid's arm to stop him from hitting your kid, that mother is going to come at you really hard and think that you're in the bad place. So you have mm -hmm. to be really, uh, really thoughtful about that. So yeah, I would sort of put myself in the middle of it and I would talk and I would use that language. I'd say, you know, I, I'm not going to let, I won't let you hit my daughter and I won't, and, or talk about, you know, I don't like the words that you're using and you can use that spot as an adult. And I, I mean, I don't mind in that situation, parenting another person's kid, if they're not close enough, it's a very, it's a very like slippery slope though. And you have to kind of really be careful about it, but it's largely, I mean, it's showing support for your daughter and then talking about it afterwards and just, you know, telling her that, you know, it wasn't all right for him to touch her. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's also, it's very early consent modeling as well. You know, he didn't have consent to touch you. You, he's not allowed to touch you. And so, I mean, things like that. And yeah, I mean, I think like even it, thinking about the subject could have brought up this last week with, uh, in the U.S. Senate where Alexandria Cortez or Ocasio-Cortez mm -hmm. and that whole situation where she said, you know, my parents did not raise me to accept abuse from men. And I mean, that situation is very interesting in that she's absolutely right. 
And, but the counter of that, where a lot of people have said, well, yeah, actually looking at it, you know, my parents did raise me to accept abuse from men. And I think this is, this is a situation where it's like the very earliest and very mo- like most innocent of it, but that's where it starts. And you have to make sure you're telling your daughter from a very early age. It's like, no, that's not okay. And they don't, they don't touch you. And I mean, I'm, I'm not, some people would say, you know, well, if they hit you, hit them back. That's not my parenting. And I, I, I'm absolutely against that. I mean, I think, you know, finding the peaceful resolution is always more what, what you want. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, if the parents, if the parents are there and if you stepping in and putting your hand in between and blocking brings attention to their parents, it gets their parents over there too. Then, I mean, have that conversation and hopefully you can all be human and talk about it. I mean, a lot of times people will get riled up and, you know, this is my kid and my kid's not doing anything and whatever, but, you know, you at least try and show, show the yeah. diplomacy it's sort of, yeah, it's a whole modeling through behavior thing. Yeah. And, you know, you know, based on sort of how my wife described it, she had explained that, you know, not all, and she my daughter was like, those boys were mean and, and she was correct. They were definitely mean. And so my wife sort of approached it that, you know, yes, those boys were mean. Sometimes people are mean. It's important to tell them to stop. So important to say it's not okay and if there is a problem you know tell an adult i mean that was sort of her approach the difficulty in this situation is everything happened quickly and you know my wife felt obviously concerned and upset that it happened and i not being there it's difficult for me to to judge how again i I would have dealt with it to sort of correlate this to something that actually uh, happened today is when I picked my daughter up from from daycare uh, and we're sort of getting ready to go, she explained that one of the other children there was hitting her. In fact, the mother and the do- the child and the mother were, were still there. It was just my daughter and, and this other child. So I'm asking her, well, why? Why was she hitting you? Well, because I, I took something from her. Oh, it's not appropriate for her to hit her, but it's not appropriate for you to take something either. Why did you take it? Well, I wanted it. And I think, you know, I, I can't speak for other parents, but I have seen situations where the why is not asked. It's like, oh, they shouldn't hit you. And then sort of fighting for your, fighting for your kids or your children, parents doing that. Like there is obviously a full story here. And I have noticed that my daughter is now becoming selective in the story that she looks to tell like, okay, I, I can sort of see, you know, what bits and pieces put me in a good light and what might not be put me in the, the best of light. So let me go and selectively tell you sort of what's happened. Like, you know, big crash in a house and come over. It's like, what happened? Oh, twilight knocked it over. Oh, interesting. The cat's over here. Didn't see the cat run. I wonder how that happened. And it's like, oh, well, I did it. Okay, well, you, it's not not proof of life. So, again, I've sort of started ex- trying to extrapolate more. And, you know, today's a good point. Like, I think if I had if I had seen, you know, if I arrived and this other child was hitting my daughter, yeah, my reaction was like, what's going on? Like, I would have, I would have intervened. Um, but I also don't, to your point, want my daughter to hit back. Like, I... I was raised with the, you don't throw the first punch, you throw the second, right? Like it's, I remember a conversation my grandfather had with me where he's like, you never start a fight, just be the guy that ends it. And, you know, his advice to me at the time was, you know, throw the second punch, you defend yourself, stand up for yourself. What was interesting is when he said that, I took it as like, oh, okay, I don't start it, I need to end it. But I didn't interpret it as I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna be the guy that throws the punch. So my 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 approach has always been being a bigger guy, 
size is my my uh, my advantage and i'm gonna use science this thing called gravity it's very difficult for someone to go and, and get a very large uh, person off of them and uh, you know often that's what i would do it would be very defensive engagement like i would go and i would i would hold arms or i'd hold a body and at some point we'd hit the ground and once you once you're on the ground like you're just going to stay there until you lose your energy you give up or what have you i mean I, again i didn't want to get into a fight not to suggest that i hadn't been any i by no means was a saint as a kid growing up but why I sort of talk about this is that my approach was sort of how uh, baby force will, will, will deal with things is one, knowing that you and your space are, are yours and yours alone. There is a you know, consent is required before anyone sort of intervenes, gets in your space. And when that doesn't occur, you use your words. You quite firmly say that this is not appropriate. And if need be engage help. Yeah. Find an adult. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I, you know, as she gets older, if like, if she were to show an interest, you know, and I sort of think like she shows an interest in like, um, you know, uh, let's say a class, like, you know, uh, martial art or something like that. I'm more than happy to support her if she shows an interest in that, because I think it's actually good for, um, you know, the physical fitness, mental fitness, like it teaches you a lot of practical life skills, but if it also assists in a need to be, you know, self-defensive, Again, that's sort of my, my belief, but that's not something I'm going to go tell them. I'm like, okay, you go deal with this, bite them, do this, do that. That's it's down the road. I need her to, to, to understand there are, there are always better ways to approach conflict. Yeah. And they were very big about telling them to use their brains and think things out rather than react. So, mm-hmm. and that's a hard skill to learn. I mean, it's nothing you come, it comes natural. Um, but I had, yeah, two thoughts on that. One, you reminded me of a time when I was a kid and, um, I was at my best friend's house and he had an older brother. Older brother was four years older than us. And we'd been wrestling all afternoon. And uh, the brother was just like throwing me into the house, throwing me into a tree. By the end of it, I was getting pretty worked up and I was like, you know, maybe eight. And so I finally got him on the ground and I just started kicking him, wailing on him. And that was the exact moment that his mother came outside. And mm. I'll never forget her walking into that moment. And she called out my name and she called me an evil little child. And she was a British, she was a British woman too. So she had a very British accent. Mm-hmm. So was, she called me an evil child and she banished me from their house forever. <laughs> so the whole idea of just, you know, a moment in time, you have to get a little more information because you walk into a moment, you don't know exactly what's happening there. Mm-hmm. And so on that note, for me, I mean, I have two kids. So this is something that I've been going through lately where they love reporting the other ones. And I try to tell them, you know, don't, you know, don't report each other. You two are going to be, your closest allies throughout life. I don't want to hear it. If I come and ask you about it, then you can tell me, but don't just come and tell me that, you know, Kay did this or N did this. And so, but having that, I mean, in a situation like that, I always have two voices that one of them will tell me what's happening from their perspective. And then the other one, usually the older one will tell me what actually happened. And between two of those, I can put together sort of a full story. So, so yeah, that's a little different. It's the difference than having two kids. Mm-hmm. And one of them's one of them's honest, one of them lies. So you kind of have to balance that all out and see how it works. But for each of your kids, it's different. Yeah, and I, you know, having only one, that situation, if it were to occur, will be my daughter sort of reporting on others. Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll sort of tell a story of my my eldest nephew, who uh, there have been you know times sort of as he was going through school where you know to, to for lack of a better term, he'd narc his friends out. 
oh, so-and-so didn't, you know, wasn't paying attention. Like it was the very, like, yes, he was right, but he was, he was focusing on like minuscule things that in the grand scheme of things, probably not, you know, necessary for him to go and say, oh, so-and-so, you know, so-and-so wasn't paying attention or that person didn't like, oh, that person didn't do their homework. Like he, he was like the class cop. And, and one of the struggles that my, my sister had at the time was trying to sort of raise the level where is one, if it impacts you directly, yeah, you tell someone that's, that's, that's clear. Like you, if it impacts you, if it doesn't impact you, then, okay, what is it that you're looking to accomplish? Are you trying to get that person in trouble? Is that what you want? No, no, I don't want to end up in trouble. Well, that's what's going to happen. Like, is that what, you know, at what point in time does someone not do their homework? But that said, you see someone, you know, uh, breaking in a window, you know, understanding that there is almost a, a scale. And the thing about that is that it, I feel, and I know at some point in time, I may have to deal with it myself as, as Bay Force ages, is you don't want to go and have your child develop the sense of, well, it's not affecting me, so I don't have to tell anyone right? Like that can lead to bigger issues. It's, we've seen this actually, um, more recently, the focus on how many people will see things that aren't right, but they ignore it. And I can't say I'm perfect. Like I am probably, I have probably seen something and I've, I've ignored it and I can't think of anything specific, but I know I have at some point, but in the same instance, I'm trying to become better at that. Like I, if I see something that's inappropriate, I speak up. I intervene. I ask. I had actually a situation um, just at the start of this year where uh, I saw two people on the bus, one uh, gentleman who is quite vocal and a woman who wasn't, and I sort of, you know, asked the woman specifically, is everything okay? The guy telling me, stay out of uh, the his business. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not actually concerned about you. I'm concerned about her. And she said she was the two of them got off the bus. And I mean, again, I feel, well, do I get off and follow? I maybe should have, but I, the very least I could do was intervene. And that's the type of situation that I would hope that my nephew uh, would acknowledge and deal with the same with my daughter. And I think as he's growing, he's becoming more aware, but it's a slippery slope, right? Yeah. It's an interesting switch between, I mean, the minor things or something that's putting someone at danger or that hurts someone. I mean, that's very different and you want to make sure they recognize that. Also, it's it's standing up. And I think, I think what we're saying here is, you know, it, or for me in particular, I want my daughter to have a very strong voice and mm-hmm. I want my daughter to, you know, know her opinions and know and be ready to, and willing to step up and say that's wrong and to say, this is why. Um, so yeah, putting that whole idea into them and giving and letting them, you know, not trying to stifle what they're saying, not trying to stifle their opinions is a entirely is an entirely good thing. And it's something that's going to be necessary for their lives as time goes on and as media keeps changing and as, you know, reality becomes what people see it to be. Um, so that's, that's very important. And I think it's, it's a key thing. So yeah, it's mostly, you know, it's, so it's explaining the difference to them between a riding out your friend for, you know, t- having his bike back 10 minutes late when, his parents said to be back at seven thirty or something like that. You know, these minor things that don't matter in the big scale 
not narking each other over that. And especially in the case of a brother and sister where, you know, mm -hmm. you're linked together for life. I mean, most, I do have friends that I've had for a long time since I was a kid, but they're kind of few and far between. And most of my adult friends are people that I've met in my adult life. So those people, you know, the kids you're playing with aren't going to stick around necessarily. So, I mean, but your family, your family does in general, you can't really get rid of them even when you want to. So you have to keep that, that sort of relationship and think about it. And, you know, looking back, having a sister, uh, I think, you know, growing up is a lot of things I wish I hadn't, or I wish I'd been more a different way. So trying to import that on my son is sort of an important thing. And my daughter as well, because she's usually the one that narcs on him. Mm. Yeah, that's, that was my, uh, my sister for me. Same with my younger brother. Yeah, being the oldest is tough. Yeah. Anywho, uh, it, it's definitely a, a, a topic that I think we'll probably revisit um, over over future episodes. I and mean, I'm obviously experiencing it sort of firsthand as my daughter is growing up. You have had the experience, obviously, with your two kids. And as sort of they grow, they're going to start to sort of bear witness of, of, of bigger bigger things, be more cognizant of what's going on. And I'm genuinely interested to, to hear how they, they approach these events as they see them. Uh, but we'll take a quick break here and uh, get ourselves a little nerdy. Was it last episode, or it might have been an episode or two ago, we were talking about next-gen consoles. I mean, it's kind of blurry, this this whole, like, uh, it once was March, and now it's July, you August, whatever it is. Yeah. But um, since we talked about next-gen consoles, uh, Microsoft has come and done their thing now. So previously, Sony did their thing. Hey, here's our fancy-dancy... Uh, uh, console, our really slick equipment. Yeah, we've got some pretty cool titles. Uh, we're not going to provide you a whole lot of other information quite yet. More will come. Uh, Microsoft went and did their thing, and uh, most recently they had a games showcase. And I'm not going to lie here, John. I'm kind of tempted by some of the titles that I saw. I mean, two speak to me you know, for different reasons. So the first one is, is Halo. Of all the Microsoft titles that have been exclusive, Halo has been the one that has always resonated with me. Uh, it's sort of this sci-fi experience. I'm not a big fan of first-person shooters, but like the gameplay, um, you know, felt robust. There was a good story attached to it. And while 343 Industries has, has done a marvelous job with the, the title since taking it over from Bungie, who left to do their own thing... I have to admit this game that they're, they're showcasing now, even in its early stages is hitting all the right, you know, sentimental buttons here. And then on top of it, fable is getting another kick at the can. And this, this is really big because it's no longer sort of Peter Molyneux behind it, who Again, I enjoyed Fable. I was a chicken kicker. I kicked all the chickens, no matter what town I was in. <laughs> Let's be honest. Flight Force, the chicken kicker, came visiting. Hide those chickens. He's kicking them. I didn't actually, uh, completely off the rails here, I didn't purposefully start kicking chickens. <laughs> I, think I, I think I did it by accident, like just with like the way the pathing mechanics worked. 
And then eventually I just accepted that it was going to happen. And I aimed to kick every chicken I possibly could kick. So then every time I went somewhere, he was chicken kicker. I think your therapist might have something to say about that. So, you know, maybe future sessions, you should talk it out. Yeah. But uh, with sort of Peter Molyneux out, out of sort of not out of the picture, but not as involved. And I can't remember who the, the new dev is. It might even be three, four, three. I'm not entirely sure who under the Microsoft studios banner is going to be uh, developing the game. Uh, no gameplay whatsoever. And yet I'm like, Oh man, I, I'd like to, to get some fable. And I want to point out, there's some similarities with fable, at least the original sort of fable. And then, you know, halo as a series, it was the story. It was a first person experience that I could play that didn't require me to have fun with others. <laughs> Not that I was antisocial, but I could have a lot of fun on my own. So I'm, I'm serious, you know, thinking, like, do I really go PlayStation like I said I would, or might I kick Xbox around? Like, I, I don't know, John. Okay, well, I've got to admit I'm a little bit worried because, to me, this could sort of be the end of their nerdy dad cast. I mean, this could switch into a PlayStation versus Xbox thing, and the nerdy granddad cast will never end up happening because we'll <laughs> we'll have argued to death by that point. Um, but honestly, seriously, I didn't pay much attention to the Xbox the show, I mean, I looked at the previews afterwards. I sort of looked at the games that were listed. Never having been an Xbox player, none of it means anything to me. I mean, I've never played Halo. I've never played Fable. Fable, like when it came out, was interesting to me. I remember that much. But having no experience with them, I mean, it's it's what we talked about earlier. Sort of the exclusives kind of is what is going to get you for the system. And I, it's interesting that, you know, you have various voices. I think Gabe Newell, Gabe Newell, is that right? Was He, yeah. he was the one that said, you know... I like the Xbox better. And when he was pressed to say why, I was just like, because it's better. And so, I mean, there's these voices coming out now that are like, yeah, this is better. This is better. Really, what's gonna, it's going to come down to is just the games. And it's, mm-hmm. it's the exclusives that you want. I mean, for me, having seen the PlayStation preview first and seeing like, you know, that was when I first, saw Her- I first saw Horizon Zero Dawn. Then I hadn't actually seen that oh. game until that presentation when they did horizon zero west and i was like oh that's a that looks cool oh i gotta play the original so now i've gone and played out i don't know 100 hours of the original since that thing and like spider-man for me it was a big one it's like i love the original spider-man game so having the chance to play miles morales was like yeah no that's a system seller right there i would buy this just for that game so that's sort of the difference for me with the xbox it's just like a i had this really basic dislike from like and it's an ir- irrational dislike just from when the Xbox originally came out where I was like, I'm not buying a Microsoft console. Forget mm-hmm. that. And still to this day, I'm like, no, that's the Microsoft console. There's no real reason for that in my head. Other like there's yeah. nothing, but it's just like, no, I won't buy that one. And even the PlayStation was like, eventual sell for me it's like i didn't actually buy one till the playstation 3 so maybe by like the xbox 25 or something you know series series xvx or if they want to go with roman numerals now you know that's going to be the thing but yeah it's 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 definitely interesting yeah so you know i've never bought a microsoft console first it has been the subsequent on sale purchase a year or so later when you know the, the price comes down to a point where it's like, yeah, sure. Why not? I mean, there's titles I'd like to play. It's always that sort of secondary uh, device. I mean, in fact, the reason I have the, uh, the Xbox that I have today had more to do with my nephew 
getting an Xbox. When my sister went to go and buy a console, both my brother and I have PlayStations. Both of us say, oh, get him a PlayStation. And she goes to EB Games and they're selling like, you know, refurbished or, you know, previously loved or whatever the heck they call it, Xboxes. And it was like, oh, get this one for like a hundred bucks today if you trade in something. And so that's what she did. I get, you know, her reasoning behind that. But now my nephew is in this ecosystem that's completely separate from my brother and I. And ah, what the heck, I just needed a, a silly reason to go and buy one. Well, I mean, that's kind of the important thing right now is that, you know, when you were your nephew's age, then, you know, which system really mattered because you only had so much money and you could only like you could get a Nintendo or you could get a Sega. You couldn't get both. Exactly. And I remember I was a Nintendo guy for that reason. Yeah. But now we're adults. And honestly, I mean, we're sort of in the privileged position that, you know, we if we want to get both consoles, then you get both consoles. And so for me, it's more that I don't have time to play two consoles. So I would never get two consoles just because I don't have time to do that. I, I recently yeah. hooked my PlayStation 3 up again recently. And I, I actually, I, this is my geeky thing of the week. I pulled my PlayStation 3 console out and both of the controllers were dead. The batteries were dead. They would not charge. Hmm. So I ordered new batteries <laughs> from Amazon and I took the controllers apart and I put new batteries in them and I put them back together. And one of the controllers is just as good as it ever was. And the other controller, I screwed the button up on and I stripped the screw and I was opening it so i can't even open it again so there's one that has a wonky button but still they worked and it only cost like 15 bucks rather than buying new controllers so that was my nerdy moment of the what, week what did you play on the ps3 that had you plug that back in there's it's it's more of a history of gaming kind of thing where my son got this book at one point that was like 100 games you must play before it probably wasn't before you die because that's kind of dark for a kid but it was of those sorts sort of things and so a lot of the games are you know games that you just can't really play anymore not on current consoles so i was like oh and he was like you know do you have pac-man and i was like well i had pac-man on my playstation 3 it was a really good version of pac-man but uh or I could plug in the atari 2600 if you want to go really old you can play old pac-man but it's like mm-hmm. games like that that you know you you didn't you can't really get easy access to, or you just don't want to pitch out another forty bucks when you've already bought them thirty seven times on thirty seven different systems. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the thing where I I loaded that up so he could play Pac Man. Also, you know, you get that little bit of inspiration. Like I say, you know, there's a lot of games, and we don't have a lot of time being fathers, being parents, being partners, being all these things. So podcasters, podcasters, yeah, and ultra podcasters. But yeah, I mean, I mentioned on previous podcasts, I remember like I was playing the original Red Dead Redemption and then I got a PlayStation 4 and my PlayStation 3 just went whoosh and I never played it again. So I still have my Red Dead Redemption game that in theory I should go back and play because, you know, I only got maybe 20% of the way into it and that's something I could go back and do. Now, I'm not sure I ever will and I'm not sure even with the system being back on, I will sit down and do that. But I do have the option to do that now. So there's sort of certain things like that. The, uh, you know, a couple things. things. First and foremost, um, and I should probably concede, there's a good chance that if I want to play Fable or I want to play Halo, that Microsoft is going to build up these games so that they can be played on both the Xbox and a PC, of which I have a gaming PC that I built. Like, really, I don't need the darn console. I can simply, if I need to, and I want the controller feel, go get a controller and play it on my computer. So, like, like the fact that I want to get this console, I think, is a little bit of FOMO, if anything. The other thing, though, that sort of makes this possible transition a little bit real, my PlayStation Plus uh, membership expired a week ago, 
I have yet to renew it. Now, it's not like I knew it was expiring and let it expire. I'd gone in like and bought like three years worth of like the membership back when like the PlayStation cards um, were on sale. And this, if I recall correctly, was before they had increased it, like I think 10 or $20 because of the exchange. So I, I made out like a bandit at the time. Well, that's now run its course. And I'm sort of sitting here wondering like, do I really need to go and buy the PlayStation Plus? I'm not really playing it right now. New consoles are coming out. So let's wait. I think that's that's why I'm sort of in this sort of world of yeah, will I or won't I? You know, I don't have as many ties to PlayStation. I still have this Xbox uh, Live or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate or whatever is membership. I again, crazy deal. It goes through to November. So we shall see what I do. But if I do go to the world and Xbox and go PlayStation, maybe we're just going to fire up two different podcasts. Could be. And Dadcast and the Geeky Dadcast or whatever. And for our listeners out there, if you want to convince Chris either to buy an Xbox or to buy a PlayStation, definitely, you know, tweet us at the Nerdy Dadcast and Mm -hmm. you can hashtag Team PlayStation, Team Xbox. We appreciate all comments. One final thing that I'm going to actually mention, and it's only because you sort of brought up that uh, your son was was reading this book about the number of different games. Um, Not related to that, but a book about games uh, that I read, I want to say a year or two ago, that I really enjoyed, uh, was called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Um, It's uh, written by Jason Schreier, who uh, often writes for, um, I believe it's Forbes Gaming, but he's, he's... sort of prolific author when it comes to sort of the gaming market, but uh, blood, sweat and pixels, the triumphant and turbulent stories behind how video games are made. It's a really compelling read. It talks uh, from the uh, presence of mind of a variety of different sort of developers, a different number of different labels, different um, uh, games that, you know, many of us have probably grown up playing and sort of um, presents as to how they came to be. So uh, it actually, there's a chapter on Bungie uh, and and sort of everything they went through with Halo and then their decision to sort of go into the world of Destiny, leaving Microsoft, going Activision. Uh, It talks about the single dev who built out Stardew Valley and everything that he did for this game. Uh, I believe there's a a chapter with uh, Ubisoft, like, it was a really, really interesting read that I stumbled on because it was um, recommended to me as a title to follow up Ready Player One with, which no correlation. Ready Player One, good book on its own, but uh, but yeah, you're looking for a book to read. On that note, actually, I brought up a thought for me. If we're going to talk, if we're going to do nerdy book reviews, because I think you know that's <laughs> that's something we should segue into. But uh, I've been reading The Sierra Adventure by Sean Mills. And I think, you know, this was a Kickstarter that happened. And uh, it was sort and of... it's about Sierra, the, the label, right? Yeah, we've, we've yeah. talked about on in previous podcasts, you know, our love of Sierra and King's Quest and Police Quest and Space Quest and all of those games of, you know, the late 80s, early 90s, Leisure Suit Larry, all of that. So this is sort of, you know, the story of how that happened and how Sierra hit its lows and then hit its highs and then hit its lows again. And I'm, I'm, I'm early into the book right now, but as a, you know, have, having a crazy love for that part of computing history and that being a major part of my teen years, I've really enjoyed the book so far. So I'm not sure you can get it really easily. I'm not sure it's on any current system. Cause like I said, I got it from Kickstarter, but I'm sure you can probably pick it up on Apple or something before too long. 
Well, I, I, it's definitely sort of piqued my interest. I'll see if I can uh, find a copy of it, having not purchased it on Kickstarter, which is a surprise because I look at every Kickstarter purchase that your household <laughs> buys. I get the notification being that I follow you. And there have been a few purchases that I've made because it's like, oh, John and family got this. This looks cool. I think it's gone the other way once. I think you you bought the, something once that I was like, then, oh, yeah, I should get that too. So it's turned away not very often, but I'm just going to say, you know, it does go the other way. Yeah, I think I think you your household are more prolific Kickstarter supporters than maybe mine is. It's just me that sort of sort of scours Kickstarter. Our household is uh, more prolific than you know. I think the nearest ten Kickstarter households, anybody in our neighbor that backs Kickstarter, we are far more prolific. I think at last count, we had like something like three hundred projects backed over the last, I guess, like nine years now since Kickstarter started. But yeah, kind of ridiculous. I, you know, you weren't supporting them and all the different projects who would we've slowed down though. Now that our kids are older and we, we have kids first off, that's slow changes things in your wallet book. I think. Yeah, it sure does. So as we look to, to wrap this episode up, it's been good to get back. We'll again, we'll try, we're going to strive to get to a more uh, regular sort of schedules. So you know when an episode's going to come out. So you don't think we've committed pod fade, which is for those that don't know the expression related to podcasts that simply disappear. They fade to nothing. Uh, that won't be us. It's just, you know, life pandemic kids, Hard to work around that, but one time or another, we'll, we'll get stuff in order. Uh, if you're looking for us online though, obviously, you know, Tweet us at Nerdy Dadcast. Uh, are you Team Xbox? Are you Team PlayStation? Are you Team Geeky Dadcast? Guaranteed, there's going to be like a podcast competitor now called Geeky Dadcast. Maybe I should register that domain. <laughs> um, and actually, again, off the rails, someone told me, "Oh man, wouldn't Respawn Point Set be a perfect name for like a Minecraft or gaming like podcast or something?" So if you go to respawnpointset.com, it might forward to my personal page. Not that I have time for another podcast. <laughs> but uh, any final words of wisdom you want to share with uh, all of our listeners there, John? No, I mean, I'm just about getting regular. I think, you know, we want to be as regular as we will be with our bowel movements when we are the nerdy gra- granddad cast. So, I mean, getting regular is what we're about. More prunes, more cranberry, more raisins, but not too many because then that just causes its own. <laughs> so on behalf of John, myself, Chris, we'll sign off this episode by asking you to do one very simple thing, and that is stay nerdy, my friends. Stay nerdy.